The Athletic. Hi there and welcome to From the Rookery End in association with The Athletic. This is Adam Leventhal, the Watford correspondent of The Athletic. And alongside me is Mike Parkin. How are you, Mike? We're almost there. Yeah, Ad, I was just thinking if Watford can just beat Chelsea 36 <laughs> nil. Uh, yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I can't lie. I'm glad that the end is in sight. Um, I think Leicester was a debacle beyond even... My worst nightmares. Um, so quite what's going to be stirred up at Stamford Bridge this weekend is anyone's guess. But we'll be there to see it. And then, blessed relief, it'll all be over, won't it, for a bit. Absolutely. Dave, how are you? I'm okay. Just even hearing Mike talk about that game at the weekend is just a strange sort of feeling because everything felt so final on Sunday at Vicarage Road. Just the manner of the performance, the scoreline, the team on the pitch, the new manager getting paraded, the players of the season awards getting handed out. It feels completely bizarre that we're going to have to go to Stamford Bridge and play one more game this season. And as we'll talk yeah. about for the for the rest of the pod, and as you've mentioned in your piece up on The Athletic today, Ad, like thoughts and actions have already very much turned to uh, to next season and sorting out this squad. It has. I think everyone's sort of been moving on to next season and had their eyes on uh, season 2022-23 for, what, probably about six weeks now, to be brutally six honest. Months. Well, let's not forget, you did flag the fact that Watford were going to go down when I think they, uh, they drew 1-1 with Newcastle in September. That one's for John. Thank you for saving me the job of bringing it up again, Adam. Appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. Absolutely. I thought I would. So, yeah, we are going to look ahead. There is there is only one way to look. We certainly don't want to look behind us at that, um, well, that devastating car crash of a season that we have had so far, which will have one final bullet point on it at Stamford Bridge. And we're going to focus on the piece, as Dave mentioned, that has um, dropped on The Athletic regarding the squad currently, the players that are at Watford and their situations, essentially, a futures review, because many have um, release clauses in their contracts, some have options to extend their contracts, some have options to buy, some want to leave, some want to maybe come back from loan spells and, and make an impact. And I was going through it and it started, it was one of those pieces where you start off and you think, I'm just going to do an update on a couple of players. And then you go, I wonder what's going on with him. And you find out a little bit more and then you find out a little bit more about another one. You think, you know what, right, let's do a proper job on this. And in the end, I counted them up and I think there's 47 players in the piece with some sort of information on them. Some some we already knew already, but hopefully there's quite a lot of nuggets in there um, of information that uh, will be of interest because there is a lot of cloth, there is a lot of cloth cutting that needs to be done. There's a lot of squad tailoring that certainly needs to be done. Um, so we're going to go through the squad in terms of departments, maybe pick out a few names of, of interest, discuss them, and then maybe by the end of it, we will try and sort of envisage type of player we would like to see come in to replace some of the players that are going to leave the club. And I think, you know, we can all be 
quite sort of open about this, that a lot of those players do need to move on because it hasn't been the right fit. But let's not forget that it's not all down to the players. We've we've said in you know various pieces on various podcasts over this season that it's almost above the players that, that needs to change, which will really set the tone. And it will allow players in the future to settle in better than some of the players that we've had at Watford this season. Um, I mean, just in general terms, I think one of the the interesting things that I found out and maybe just got a little bit more information on in the piece regards release clauses because quite a few of the players do have them in their contracts. We've known that for, for quite some time and it is a lesson that has been learned from the previous relegation season. And basically it gives them an opportunity to leave the club, mutually agree a departure. There might be a fee involved that needs to sort of trigger the conversation. Yeah, so is it, is, it, is it a minimum sort of minimum fee situation? Or like if, if you get this much money, you have to let me go? Or is it we've been relegated, you have to let me look for a move? Like, is there any way that the club, if they were so minded, could keep a player who has a relegation release clause against his will? No, I think that basically the, the conversation starts when the team is relegated. That gets the ball rolling. Um, that then opens the player to have conversations with other clubs. It's agreed the majority of the time, I think that there might be some sort of nominal fee involved to ensure that Watford do get something back a little bit. But the the trade-off is that Watford don't have to keep a player that they were going to have to pay a lot of money for in terms of wages. And that player doesn't need to remain and then take a big cut in salary, which is basically the big decision. That's why they want to leave. They want to be earning the money that they've been earning in the Premier League. Um, but it can also lead to a renegoti- renegotiated contract as well, which I think we've seen a couple of times in the past behind the scenes. I'm not going to name names, but I think there's been a few players that have remained and at the same time as relegation, renegotiated contracts. And that is something that can often um, pop up. So just keep an eye out for that. And obviously, we don't always learn or we very rarely learn anything about contracts from Watford because they've got that policy of not announcing contractual situations, which I think is just a bit of a nonsense, really. I don't see why you shouldn't be proud if you're extending a player's contract. Be open about it. Everyone else does it. I don't see why you should be so different. Right. So let's deal with um, the various departments. Where, where, where do you want to start, Mike? Do you want to start in the attacking third or do you want to start in the... Um, in the area where Watford uh, just concede lots of goals. Well, why don't we start with with the attacking? It feels like that's probably the most cut and dry. I think perhaps. Yeah, let's let's stay well away from our goal. Let's get the ball into the uh, yeah. let's get the ball into the opposition half as best as possible. I mean, for, look, for a, obviously for the, a couple the, of seconds before we misplace a pass and, uh, and find yeah. it right back in our penalty box again. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's start with um, with Emmanuel Dennis because you know I think he is he is one that. We've, we've spoken about before that we're expecting him to leave. There are agents working on his behalf to try and find the right exit for him. And I think he goes with a sort of a blessing in a way, Dave, from, from, from the fans that people think, well, yeah, you've come, you've, you've sort of done your thing. It's not worked out. It's sort of been a feature of a season that's never really worked, but you've You've tried your best, but it was always a stepping stone. That's how it feels to me. I think so. I, I don't think there was a great deal expected of him when he came in at the start of the season. I think it was a bit of a 
gamble, a bit of an unknown signing, despite the fact that this bloke scored goals in the Champions League against Real Madrid and teams like that before. But to do what he did in the first half of the season, to get 10 goals, perhaps if those 10 goals were spread more evenly throughout the season, we'd have a slightly higher opinion of him than we do right now. But I don't think anyone can, can begrudge him leaving. And I think we, we have to be realistic. And we'll, you know, this, this isn't just a situation unique to Emmanuel Dennis, but Watford have got this sort of tricky balancing act of like selling the ones they can sell for decent money, but not leaving the cupboard bare so that we don't have anything that's, you know, left to try and get us off to a good start in the championship season. Last time round, when we came down, we were trying to get rid of probably more players than we actually were able to do in in the in the preseason period, and we and that probably blocked us from bringing in players. Ivan Tony's like the big one that's been mentioned before. Like we we were interested in him according to the Peterborough chairman, but we couldn't get him because we couldn't get rid of Gray or Capu or whoever it was who was on the wage bill. So you've got this really tricky balancing act, and I think Dennis. Look, he, he he had some great times with us. He scored some good goals. He had some dodgy games, and he went off the boil. But if you get twenty million for him, everyone's happy. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? I think that's the reason, and probably the biggest reason he goes with our blessing is that he fills that financial void, doesn't he? And he finally is someone that we brought in for X amount, and we're selling for X plus, which we were promised was the, or we sort of assumed was the was the model for for a little while, but we haven't seen it come to fruition. So the fact that we're able to get rid of him for what looks like a should be a decent profit is is good. I think Joshua King, and you mentioned him in the in the piece, I think it's almost certain that that he goes. Um whether he goes with our blessing or not is is a different different discussion. I think it just didn't work out, did it? So we we gave we gave it a go. We he showed that he could be all right. Whether we we played to his strengths or not is a is another one, but I, I, is another another debate for for another time, perhaps. But I think both of those will probably go without too many Watford fans. We're not going to get much money for Josh King, are we? I don't think if he does go. That's the point. I think it's I think it's worth a word on on Joshua King because I think that's that one's a really important one because if you look at his career trajectory, it's not heading in the right direction. And he needs something to get him back on track. This season was supposed to be that thing. Do you know what I think that thing should be to get him back on track? It's a season in the championship. Now, I understand that maybe he hasn't. He isn't happy. Maybe he has. He has understandable ambitions to play in the Premier League. You know, he's a Norwegian international. He wants to play at the highest level and all that. Maybe a fresh start at another club. Maybe back to Bournemouth. I don't know. Could be. Could be good for him. But I do think. If you just if you took out the financial considerations, I sort of think that like on paper, like on, on in like, even in like football manager theoretical universe world, like Josh King for Watford in the Championship would probably be great. But I understand that it probably isn't going to happen for many reasons. In an ideal world, you can see him if he if he gets off to a, a flyer and all of a sudden has six goals in four games or something. You could imagine him being a very very different player, couldn't you? I mean, he looked. He just completely the off button was was switched on at some stage, wasn't it? The off button was switched on. If that, the on button was switched off, was whichever way round. God, that <laughs> sums up our season. Probably sums up me as well. But it, it just it stopped happening for him, didn't it? There was just no there was no output whatsoever, and it, it didn't look likely that it was it was about to be. It was, it was any way that that tanker could be turned around. But whereas, that, like you allude to, Dave, seeing him in the championship, a striker is going to be happy scoring goals. So. Perhaps it it could work. I think for me, there's a lot of stars who have got to align 
for that to that to happen. Whether he's going to be willing to commit to a season in the Championship, a club where it doesn't seem like he's particularly happy with with, with unhappy memories, it feels a long way off. A long way off for me that one. And I guess that leaves Ismail Assar ad. And and I, the re- the question I've got for for you is, and well, both of you really is what what do we genuinely think his future is and and how much of the, the fee are we going to be able to recoup? Because I, I've been thinking about it. The only realistic sort of place in, in, in England that I can think from is Newcastle because of their huge pots of money. But but quite frankly, I, I suspect they'll be shopping in a different aisle because they're looking, you know, looking to qualify for Europe next year. They've got unlimited funds. And you know, is Ismail Assar having, you know, a, a relatively unhappy, I think, experience at Watford? going to be one to be looking at the bottom half of the of the Premier League table? I don't think so. So I'm absolutely fascinated to see where this one goes and be interested on, on your thoughts, guys. It's obviously an interesting one with, with Saar because, you know, there is... You, you go back and, yes, we we discussed Emmanuel Dennis and the fact that his signing is sort of old school Pozzo, 3 million, you might be able to spin him and then get 20 million for him. The Saar signing basically signalled the beginning of, of a a sort of change in direction in terms of signing a player for, for big money and it just not working out. Um, but I think that the situation that you have now is that they still owe money on Saar. They want to try, and I think they might ha- still have it in their minds that they want to you know, sell him for more than they bought him for, which was you know, £30 million. But I can't see that happening. Um, and it may well be that they're trying to sort of cover those payments that they still have to make which is around about nine million pounds so you know clubs that come in they see a player that has scored five goals this season I think it's only one assist for him this season he's had another serious injury he's had you know quite long uh, periods out whilst he's been playing for Watford as well look he's gone away and been happy with Senegal and you know let's not ignore that the situation that has also unfolded um, in the last few days with the situation with his defense of um, Idrissa Garnagay and, and things like that regarding um, homophobia and, and things like that. That is being dealt with, as I understand, and I'm sure there'll be much more to, to read about that. Um, you know, that's a it's, it, it's a distraction at a time when Watford really want to ensure that they get this departure right. But the situation about Newcastle, Mike, is yes, the perception is that they've got loads and loads of money to spend and they will be able to spend freely, but they still have to abide by um, FFP rules. And they've already spent £90 million in January. So they're not going to be able to splurge. But it interests me that maybe there might be something that could be done, say if it is Newcastle, that maybe there might be a couple of players that Watford might look at and go... Oh, maybe we could take some in return. Now, there's been talk about Isaac Hayden in the past or, you know, someone like Dwight Gale coming in return. If you're looking for, a, you know, a goal scorer of, of, of some kind, who knows? It might be able to be done in a in that sort of fashion if you wanted to sell to, to Newcastle, someone in, in the Premier League. But I, I genuinely, I'm not sure exactly how it's going to pan out, but I know that there are agents working on his behalf at the moment assessing the situation. So we'll just have to see, Mike. I think that's a good overarching point, not necessarily when it, just when it comes to Ismail Assar, but I think Watford are going to have to be creative to a degree in this, in this transfer window, because in this, in this summer, rebuild, if you like, because as, as we've all spoken about in, in different ways, it's not just a case of like getting rid of the ones that we don't like and getting in some really, really good ones. It just doesn't work like that. And I think we have to be realistic as Watford supporters, as a, as a fan base, as to who we're going to be able to bring in 
and perhaps apart from that, what's actually required to get us out of the out of the championship with the results in the playoffs this week? It means that only one team that that came down from the Premier League will be returning to the Premier League at the first time of asking. Um, and it, it is such a difficult, tricky league to get out of. And there's just not going to be lots of money to spend. There's not going to be a huge queue of of players wanting necessarily to come to Watford as, as you know, the reputational damage really that's been done over the last couple of years. So I do think, you know, mentioning people like Dwight Gale, and that may or may not be something that they're looking at, but people might turn their noses up at that sort of signing. But I actually think that that sort of creativity is what's going to be needed in the in, in this summer from from Watford, and I hope uh, that they they actually do take that route because it's it feels like a sensible sensible way of uh, of, of going about things. Maybe, but I, I'm not I'm not so sure. I'm not as pessimistic as you when you say people might not want to come to Watford and there's not going to be that much money to spend. Yeah, look, we're not going to go out and spend fifty million quid or anything silly, but like we are we are going to have one of the bigger budgets in the championship. There's no doubt about that because of our parachute payments, because of the money that we'll be able to generate through player outgoings, because of the clauses that you know that are now written into contracts, which is different from last time round. So I think that we will see a different squad to a degree. I think we will see, we, we will see some of these players that we'll talk about still here. But I, I think I'm a bit more optimistic of Sars' prospect of going for... Not for the money that he came in for, but for maybe similar sort of fee to Emmanuel Dennis, 20 million, maybe 15 million, something like that. And I think there would be takers in the Premier League. Uh, I know that he has been tainted somewhat by an underpar season this year, but there are there are mitigating circumstances. His agents will be working hard to very much emphasise those mitigating circumstances. Players will have data on him, will have seen him across his whole career, will know that at his best he is a very exciting player. There's a reason why Manchester United and Liverpool were were sniffing around him, what, two years ago? And I think there are teams like West Ham, if they sell Jared Bowen, he could he could be that sort of player, sort of inside, sort of right winger, could come inside, could go outside. I think there are, you know, Crystal Palace were interested, weren't they, Ad, before? I think the likes of Everton, Villa, not that I've got any knowledge at all that any of these things are realistic or w- would happen, but I could sort of see it happening I, I don't think it's as far away as necessarily we we think but it is an important situation and whether it, and it doesn't really matter to us where he goes whether he goes to the Premier League whether he goes to France Italy Spain wherever we just need to get him off the books and get as much as we can for him the, the driver really needs to be that he, he doesn't look happy he doesn't look happy at, at Watford and look that can apply to a lot of players and I was speaking to someone actually the other day and, and they said that <laughs> recently and this is someone that's connected with with a player that's that's been at the club and and left the club that he said that there's basically a lot of players come into to Watford with high hopes of you know getting their careers back on track or excited by the project and they they basically just get run down and drained by the whole thing and you know you look at Ismail Assar and he is a classic example of that and that's what they need to change and that's what I you know I was saying at the beginning there they need to get the right players in the right characters in and support those players and make them feel happy, make them feel 10 feet tall. Because at the moment, Ishmael Assar, and we've not seen him for the last couple of games, he's looked like he'd literally just run out onto a football pitch and wanted to get back down the tunnel as quickly as possible and go home to his family because he just didn't look happy. And you don't want to see that in anyone. You don't want to see that, you know, you separate yourself from whether it's it's impacting on Watford's performances or not, but you know that there's a player there. You know that there's someone that when they are on it, 
can be a real, real weapon for a football club. And hopefully he can go on and find somewhere and be happy about it. There's a couple of players in the attacking group, before we move on to the midfielders, I'll just say a quick word on them, that I think we've seen that happiness or we've seen that um, energy from, and that is both Joao Pedro and Cucho Hernandez. I think it's a real shame that Cucho didn't have an opportunity to kick on this season when he got that injury after, you know, getting in and establishing himself in the side ahead of the likes of Josh King, for example. He then wasn't able to play. Both he and Joao Pedro, I think I think most Watford fans would be keen for them to stay. They've found a connection with both of those players. And if they could stay, and it's not guaranteed that both of them will, the club will have to weigh up, right, look, we're not getting any offers for you know, King or we're not getting any offers for Saar that meet, meet the level that we want, let's say. Oh, but there's quite a few people interested in Cucho. Or, oh, someone might take a gamble on, on Joao Pedro. I don't. I think Joao Pedro is, is not one that they're going to sell. I mean, he's still got five years left on his contract and they will want to make that deal happen at the right time. And I don't think they'll rush into it now. So those two are obviously one to watch. I think Cucho and Joao Pedro are some of the stardust that we need to, to, to be successful in the, in the championship. And I think along with them, the other big one for me, the other little vial, if you like, of, of magic dust is, is Imran Loser. So I'd be keen to, to get your thoughts, guys, on, on the likelihood of him staying and how important you think he is, because I think he could be absolutely vital. I think the situation with Loser is an interesting one because, you know, he was taken out of the firing line I think pretty much immediately Watford were relegated after the game against Newcastle in September, Mike. Uh, no, not quite that early. Um, and, you know, he, you know, he's had his knee operation um, and that's going to that's gonna need a little bit of time. I think he said on Instagram that it's, it's, it's only for a few weeks, but I'm just quite interested by the fact that, you know, it, it seemed like a club decision. OK, look, let's get you let's get you sorted. He's obviously got the World Cup as well uh, coming up with Morocco. Did they qualify for the World Cup? They did, didn't they? Yeah. He's obviously got the World Cup coming up for Morocco as well. So he's got that in his mind. And I don't think, you know, having been here for one season, he's only really, in the grand scheme of things, played a handful of games. And he's not really had an opportunity to have any sort of consistency in one position. Um, we know where he, he, he is probably best playing, but it might be that Rob Edwards comes in, changes things around a bit, plays with, you know, three at the back, and he will have to be one of those two central midfielders so it'll be interesting to see how he fits into that situation and how that then feeds into you know whether they have a, a ball playing center half that's willing to bring it forward or if he still need to be the sort of the water carrier from the, from the back so we will have to see where he fits in but I agree that he is another player another young player that Watford should try and build around but I think they need a bit more I don't know they just need a bit more guile around him in midfield and, and although we had the muscle and the the fight and the commitment from the likes of Musa Sissoko and uh, Yuri Kutska, Kutska has he's gone we know that that's something I confirmed a couple of days ago and you know he's leaving because I think he wants to be closer to his family but also he, he probably just thinks that I don't necessarily want to play in the championship at this stage of my career albeit he probably could have you know, thrown in a few challenges in the championship had done quite well. Musa Sissoko would expect him to leave as well. And it's just it's just really now whether there's enough around him in, in Tom Cleverley and, and Dan Gosling. Where Tebow's going as well, right? So not left with that many. No, it's, there's not many, not many at all. So I think that's where the work needs to be done, really. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they 
how they work around that. I think if we do see a change in shape, you know, if we have, if we're going to have a back three, we're going to have wing backs. As you said, it might mean that might mean an, uh, one fewer body in the in the middle of the park. So maybe that sort of eases our um, needs in that department. But nevertheless, you still want to be flexible. You still want to have enough people in the building to change shape. You don't want to leave the cupboard bare, as we have done with centre halves in the last few seasons to our cost. Cleverly looks like he's going to stay. I think they'll, that will that will split opinion. He's coming towards the latter stages of his career, but you but you look, you know, you can rely on him. You know, he's fully committed. I think he was good enough in the championship last season. I think he'll be good enough again to be a good squad member at, at the very least. Gosling might be another one that will still be there and might play a part again. I'm not big. I'm 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 really not that optimistic about Edo Kayembe's potential as a as a genuine Watford first team player. I think he's very conservative with his passing he keeps it simple but as we saw on Sunday you know even sometimes that he can get wrong so you know I'm not pinning my hopes on him so I think we do need some 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 real strengthening in this in this department which will be be a very very interesting to see sort of what we do and who we bring in I'm not sure you know I'm not sure about Kayembe because when he made his debut against Newcastle he was a, he was actually a, a, a breath of fresh air I thought came in and was playing the ball forward popping passes around the corner playing balls in behind through the channels and he looked he looked like a player i think i and i look i may may turn out to be wrong but i saw a player in imran loser which you didn't see dave okay <laughs> and, you know he's <laughs> i'm joking i'm joking he turned out to he's turned out to be all right edai kembe i think with the right sort of security around him a little bit of sort of trust in him because he's been thrown in thrown out he got pulled pulled out of the team and it looked as if you know he was going to play he was playing as a number eight then he was playing as a six he just needs a little bit of time i think and i'd quite like to see him i'd quite like to see him sort of given a bit of an opportunity look it may well be that he's bombed out and he, and he ends up on loan somewhere you know in a couple of weeks but look I'd, I'd like to see him built around i think where rob edwards would have been sat on sunday would have been right in line with that pass that went straight to leicester <laughs> before the second goal actually so we'll see whether that has an effect yeah i i understand you know misplaced passes are really irritating especially when they're straight when they're straightforward however sometimes when the players are, are making these passes you'd almost rather they were making a slightly more brave pass. And this is where like, you know, Hassan Kamara has been caught out occasionally than, than not making a pass or going backwards. Yeah, that was a 10-yard square ball though, Add that one on Saturday. And I, you, I completely accept the point also, you're making. Also, one pass. Com I, completely, one pass. I completely accept the point you're making. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not binning him off because on the strength of one pass. But I'm saying that is indicative, I think, of a, a, a bigger trend. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, look, we, we can agree to disagree, but I just, I don't know where, maybe you win player of the season next year and you can replay this clip at the end of the season next season. But I just, I don't know. I think, I think I wouldn't be surprised if we significantly strengthened in that, in that area. And he is still here, but, but not starting every week. Talking about strengthening, we've got two to come back, of course. Tom Deli-Bashiru at, at Reading, who I think started off well. I, thought, I did see a couple of, a bit on social media that some Reading fans weren't completely enamoured with him, but it felt like a vaguely successful stint for, for him there. And he's he's looked all right when he's he's done the yellow of Watford. And I think, I think the name that's been on more people's lips, uh, because they've had a much, much better season, is Philip Zinkenagel. We talked about Guile to help out. Imran loser and a lot of people are sort of saying well if Forrest go up that'll be Zinkenagel off and I'm like well hang on he, he's our player 
Um, and the, the idea of a, of a parent club loaning someone out is for him to get game time and to improve so he can come back. I think we should sell. I think if they go up, and I think they've got a pretty good chance of beating Huddersfield in the final next week, I think that's a a good chance to get as much money as you're likely to get for Zinkanagel because they will. I, I assume that they would want to keep him, having been a key part of their promotion side. They'll know him really well. He'll be happy there. And I think you could probably drive a pretty hard bargain there and get a get a nice price for for Zinkanagel. But, you know. but would we get enough enough to replace him? You said we need to significantly strengthen and we need sort of a little bit of stardust in there. I think if, if we're looking around if we're looking around for sellable assets in this squad and I mean getting money in for them, he is someone who's who's on the way up. He's not someone who's going to be scratching around and we're going to have to basically flog to get off the wage bill for next to nothing. I think you Well could... shouldn't we utilize him to get us up then? Well maybe, yeah, maybe, but I think if I think just being opportunistic about it and looking at right, if we need to get X amount million through the door, him, Dennis, Saar could get the job done. Mogi Bayat Walker. <laughs> <laughs> I look I think I think it's an interesting one with, with Zinkanagel because he didn't cut a particularly happy figure when he was at Watford during during lockdown. He he wasn't playing in the right position. He's gone to Nottingham Forest and he was playing in his right position, playing in a number ten. If Watford are gonna play with that formation and they need someone like that, then yes, it it could well be him. But I, I would imagine, you know, he's had he's moved from a, you know an upwardly mobile, fun, history-making club in Burda Glimt, moved during a lockdown, plopped into Watford, it didn't go to plan. He then got binned off and then sent back to the championship to to play um for Forest. It's gone really well. He's now happy. For him to then come back to Watford in the championship, it may well happen, but I would have thought it would be the right decision to make to actually, yeah, like you were saying, Dave, let him go and try and try and get as much money for him as possible. Because if you are going to play a number 10, then it's probably, you should be playing Joao Pedro in a number 10 role if that is going to be him. And I don't necessarily think having Zinkanagel in a congested midfield, they didn't do it at Forest. We tried to do it at Watford and it didn't work. So unless you're going to play him in his right position, then there's no point having him if you've got an opportunity to sell him for for the right price. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. A Watford FC podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is from the rookery end. So those are a few of the midfielders sorted. And I, I, Mike, I think you're right to, to shout out um, Tom Bashiru because he looked really good just before getting that big injury at Reading, the season that we eventually did go up. And obviously he has had that, that loan spell at Reading. So I'd, I'd like to see some of those younger players brought back in and, and given an opportunity. Dan Phillips, for example, you know, a youngster who's had a, a loan spell out at Gillingham. I think, you know, 
even if it even if it wasn't going to be a long term um, signing, I just love to see him back at Vicarage Road because I loved his blood and thunder approach to, yeah. to football, just sort of clattering Sh- into challenges and you know firing in. I just loved that. It was it, he'd have every, everyone on board, wouldn't he? And, and in a similar vein, shout out to uh, to Joseph Hungbo as well, who looked like mm. in his time at Ross County got more awards than Watford got wins. Uh, this season, so um, <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he'll be he'll be coming back full of uh, vim and vigor. So it'll be interesting to see what he can bring. So there are youngsters there. There are people with Watford's kind of at their heart is the wrong word, but with experience of being around the club, who probably may want to be coming back to to prove a point and may may help us out in that in that midfield department. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Watford need need players with that have got a hunger to prove themselves. They don't want players that want you know that don't want to be there or feel like they are passengers that don't belong you know they want players that want to come in and you know show what they're worth it show what they're worth similar to to rob edwards in in a head coach he's been given this big opportunity he wants to prove a point and he wants to try and put something together that feels exciting so we'll just have to see if they get the recruitment right and that's obviously you know what we're dealing with on this podcast is is the players that that remain and what what's going to happen with them and if we move into the the defenders Obviously, you know, the player of the year was Hassan Kamara. He actually did an interview with the club, which I thought was actually quite punchy. I thought the questioning of him um, by the club was 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 pretty good in terms of, you know, you've been down to lower divisions before, you know, you you might want to go up. I did sort of see his face flicker a little bit. It's like, well, yeah I, I, yeah, I have been down before, but, you know, I am, I, I was playing in, you know, Liga and I was <laughs> thought I was doing quite well. So I don't necessarily want to be going back there. So we will have to see what happens with him, the likes of Kiko Femenia, uh, Adam Messina, discussions about what's going to happen with those. Uh, Danny Rose, for example, I'm sure he's going to be leaving very, very soon indeed. That's, that, is a, you know, that is an example of where the recruitment was, was particularly poor. It was a gamble which went wrong, but I suppose subsequent to that, they did have the bravery to say, look, that we've made a mistake here and, and he's spent you know, an inordinate amount of this season training with the with the under 23s but i think the the thing that everyone wants to get right is that central defensive um unit and i mean what's your feeling if say for example dave beginning of the season and i know we'll still have the transfer window to run beyond the start of the season on july the 30th but if watford's center backs are still william truster kong francisco Sieralta, craig cathcart uh, and christian cabasele maybe samir as well how would you feel disappointed i think most of those guys you just mentioned were part of the defence that was one of the best, if not the best, in the championship last time we were in the division and we got promoted. It wouldn't be a catastrophe, I don't think. I think they have enough in them, and particularly, hopefully, with a you know with a, a new coach who is upwardly mobile could hopefully improve them, make them part of his team. I don't know, but you know if he's going to play three centre backs, we maybe we need more than just those to rely on. But I think it is an opportunity for a bit of a refresh. We don't need to get rid of all of them. And I think you could probably take your pick as to which ones go. But I think, John, I was talking to John about this in the stands on Sunday. And he basically asked me the same sort of question. I said, any one of those is, will be reliable. But I, I wouldn't sit there and think to myself, oh, we've got it covered. Because we've got Truce to come, we've got Sirata, we've got Cathcart, we've got Cabaselli. I would go out and say, I want to find a brilliant centre-back who I believe can lead us in the championship and has the capacity to improve and play with us if we go up 
somebody young, maybe someone in their mid-twenties who's ready to come to a top championship club and get better. And then maybe he'll go on to better things later on down the line. And then the others can play their part. But I want someone who is this, this defensive sort of general, the heart of that defence that it's all built around. And I would like to see more. And I think, you know, you've talked about the fullbacks. Danny Rose was a complete disaster. He'll go... Uh, looked like looked like Messina was waving a lot to me on Sunday to the crowd more than any of the other players, so I think he could be gone. But I'd love to see Kamara stay. But I think yeah, I do think we we should not take our eye off the ball when it comes to the defence. Look, all areas of the team are going to need are going to need strengthening and attention. But I think we do need to um, not just go with the same again in defence. You'd like to think that they've learned a pretty painful lesson in that regard because we've all been very very critical about not strengthening. In that in that defensive unit, and it's and it's cost us dearly, hasn't it? It's been there for all of us to to see. What I do find fascinating, there's one one player in particular. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Dave. About we need to go out there and we need to scout these players and get them in. Get these. We've talked about it on on other podcasts about working with Rob Edwards to give him the players that he is going to need to play the football he wants to get Watford out of the division. That takes a bit of work and effort. That's not going to happen with, with the players that are in the building. It's, it certainly isn't. But one, one name really fascinates me about, about this season and how it's gone. And that's, and that's Sir Alta. And just about whether he is, you know, Rob Edwards coming in is a brand new opportunity for him He's not really tarnished with this disastrous season. It's been a funny one for him. We'll never quite know what, what's happened, whether anything happened behind closed doors, whether it was a complete collapse of confidence after that own goal, was it against, against Wolves, whatever it was. But I think the thing to remember for all these players is that now you've got a new head coach coming in and, and, and a sense of optimism perhaps and a sense of hope and a sense of hopefully these players wanting to reinvigorate their careers and seeing Watford as an opportunity to do that. In the championship, which is very, very difficult, it is super competitive. But let's also remember they are not going to be punished for their mistakes the same way they are, they have been this season. So it is a real opportunity for some of these guys who are, we've got to remember, they are professional footballers who have who've got a, a great deal of experience between them. They can do a job and whether they can just sort of reinvigorate themselves a little bit. And, and, and I think the, the main one for me in that is, is Sierra Alta. It would be absolutely fascinating to see how he did. And people, people like Craig Cathcart, I think, I think there's an issue when you, you mention people like Craig Cathcart, Tom Cleverley. Don't take this the wrong way, Tom or Craig. I think people are bored of them. And that's why they sort of say, oh, can't, we can't have Craig Cathcart anymore. We can't have Tom Cleverley anymore. And I, I kind of get it. But the reality is they're really good at just being steady players. And there's a lot to be said for that and building of uh, then being part of a of the wider requirement. It's a good point. I think you've hit upon something there. I think, yes, they are. They have been hanging around a long time. So there is an element of people getting bored with them. But also, I think the other issue is if we go through this season and let's Bear in mind that some of those players are now, you know, two years older than they were at the start of the last championship season as well. But if we go through the season with Cathcart and uh, Trooster Kong, you know, and Cleverly in the team and whoever else, those players have proved, you know, and Cavaselli as well, has been here for a long time. Those players have proved that they are not the players to keep us in the Premier League if we get up. So you'll be back to square one in the summer trying to get rid of them all. So if you do the work now for players that will be with you and can grow and get better... 
that will hopefully be better for everyone all round. If we just if we just kind of and this kind of hits to the whole point of what we're talking about. If we build a squad that can just get us up but then can't do anything else once we're there, it's sort of self-defeating. We kind of need to almost be prepared to not go up but build a squad that could grow together over a few years and then when we do get there sensible contracts because there's players that have just on people have flagged this up left right and center huge contracts for players who are demonstrably not the future of the football club and that that needs to stop and I think that's that's a question and an issue for another time in terms of how we're structuring deals how these deals are done how we're going about it who's responsible for them and so on and so forth I think there are a lot of questions hanging over that and and as we talk we, we we know in the back of our mind that these are all, we can all kind of see where we need to get to to make this a successful championship campaign. And then if looking ahead further to make the subsequent season successful, a lot of things really have to change with Watford and their approach and their, and their thinking. And it's kind of clear, we've skated over it a little bit, but Ad, your, your, your article is really helpful as a touch point to show what could happen, what might happen, what might not, all the different directions. It's almost like it's, a, it's a good roadmap showing all the different directions that might happen. We just desperately hope that they they make the right decisions. And to do that, it's all about recognising where they've gone, gone wrong previously, I think. And it, the approach has to be right because I don't think we can afford too many mistakes. Too many players have become part of the furniture at the, at the club and... That it just needs a it needs a freshen up. We need to redecorate and make things look a little bit different. And you know, if we have to put a few on the skip and take a hit, then we just have to do that um, and move them on. Last but not least, let's deal with the goalkeepers. And there will be something new, something different, something massive in the goal from the start of next season in the, in the shape of Maduka Okoy, who's uh, had a successful end to his season, managed to battle against relegation at Sparta Rotterdam, um, and he will be coming in. Young keeper, Nigerian international. It may well mean that he has he has a little bit of time to settle in, but he's been doing it in a top division in Europe, and he's had a positive experience lately, and he seems like a confident lad as well. So um, hopefully he will be able to come in and be the new number one. And then that obviously has a knock-on effect. Obviously, we know that Ben Foster's moving on. Whether Daniel Backman is happy to be sort of in a challenge or whether the club will want a number one and then it will only be go-to if he gets injured, that's going to be an interesting one. Here's a question for you both. Never mind whether Daniel Backman's happy to be in a challenge. Are we happy for Daniel Daniel Backman to be part of the setup? I, I, I personally have my doubts about him from it in terms of his performances, I think he showed enough weaknesses in the in the Premier in the Championship season to to have question marks over him. And I think some of his certainly reported comments give me pause about his his attitude. So, do we? You know, we've got Pontus Dahlberg who's been out out on loan. Do we want Daniel Backman? And would he would he represent as Dave, as Dave mentioned earlier an opportunity to perhaps recoup three or four million quid Austrian international? Well, Mike, I, I think we have to throw the answer straight back at you, seeing as you clearly don't want Daniel Backman in the football <laughs> club. Far be it from me to put words in anyone's mouth. You're in the anti-Dan camp. As far as I'm aware, he's keen to to fight. Okay, that's that's encouraging. The, the narrative will be, but look, I agree with you, you know, in the same way as we're talking about the defence, you have to then think, well, look, is it worth keeping someone at the football club if you don't think that they're potentially going to then be able to succeed in the Premier League should we move him on if there is an opportunity if there's been some interest sort of legacy interest from performing well in the Euros 
um, you know, should we strike while the iron's hot? And it'll be interesting to see if it gets to the end of August when there's been quite a few games and he's sat on the bench and he's thinking, well, yeah, I think I'm going to try and take this opportunity from Ajax or Cologne or Dusseldorf or whoever, you know, so... I'd move him on if I could. <laughs> All right. If I could, again, similar to similar to Zinconago and some of the others, if you can get some money, get him in, get him gone. You know he's not going to be your number one long term. Thanks very much, Dan. We've had fun, but go and enjoy yourself wherever else. Okoye's the number one, and then the rest of you, we can work it out who's the number two. Right. He's gone from young Roy into Moji Walker on this uh, on this <laughs> podcast, which I really quite like. He's very hard, very ruthless. Or maybe Gino Walker. Just sort of get him on. Get, get, get rid of him. Get rid of him. Right. So, look, we've pretty much dealt with every department now that there is going to be a lot of change over this summer. And there needs to be a lot of change. Just maybe a final word from you, Mike, and from you, Dave, in terms of what you want to be the the, the ethos of this new Watford team because we haven't dealt with you know the players that we would like to bring in and we'll deal with a lot of names etc etc and there'll be plenty of coverage on on the athletic but you know what do you want the ethos of this team to be interestingly enough ad i think what what gave me real enthusiasm there was in your answer about daniel backman he wants to fight and that's what i want and that's what we need and the players need to that needs to be at their core they need to come in and just be ready to either fight for their place or fight for the team when when they're when they're on the pitch. And also, I want them to be malleable in terms of I want them to be at the service of Rob Edwards. I want them to be able to to meld and to work towards what he wants to achieve because he needs to be the the guide in all this. He needs to be the one that's setting the tone on and off the pitch, really. So I want people who are willing to listen, willing to learn, and willing to walk work towards whatever Rob Edwards wants to achieve and how he wants to achieve it. But but that that first that word I'm going to go back to it again after the absolute dross and limp um, feeble efforts we've seen this season I want fight and I want commitment. Moji, uh, I can't disagree <laughs> with Mike. Uh, I want there to be a forward-looking ethos around this team. I think we've got the. I hope that we've got the head coach appointment right in Rob Edwards. It sort of feels like we have, although obviously we'll wait and see how it all pans out. I think we need to not throw the baby out of the bathwater, retain some of the players that we think can help us, but then be ruthless with the ones that we just know aren't going to be there for the long term and try our best we can with the funds that we raise through selling some of those high profile assets, refresh the squad. Also, you've got you've gone down to League Two for your manager. Don't be afraid to go down to League League One or League Two for the players. Look at Kane Wilson, who is player of the season at Forest Green, who's been linked with a lot of Championship clubs. Can we get in there, reuniting with his manager straight away, right wing back? You know, fills a position straight away. Other players as well, I know from you know from that team and from other teams in those leagues. We haven't really dipped our toe into those markets before, but I think we should we should. I agree. I think it will be interesting to see how they they approach this one. Obviously, with a new young British manager, it is a new approach, but they have to change from the top, as we've discussed before. They need to try in a difficult summer with a lot of movement of players to make sure that it doesn't become a a toxic atmosphere this this summer as well. I think that's really important that if players are moving on, they go with their blessing, they're treated well, and it's it's an it's a sort of a mutually beneficial environment that that has to be the priority, I think. And there has to be sort of they might have to make some harsh decisions, but it has to be done with with a bit of kindness and a bit of constructive sort of 
feel to the whole thing. So let's see if that's if that's possible. Quick reminder, if you do want to read the article, we haven't mentioned that, head to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end and you can pick up the latest deal. There's loads of other players mentioned in it. I've really enjoyed uh, going through uh, the squad. I'm sure many things will move on and we will cover them uh, on The Athletic. Uh, but Dave, thank you very much indeed. Cheers, Ed. And Mike, thank you and I'll see you at Stamford Bridge. Can't wait, mate. Bring it on. Yellows. Oh, dear. It'll be interesting, but at least the final whistle will signal the end of this season. Oh, yes. Wonderful. Take care, and we will uh, see you after Stanford Bridge. The Athletic.